Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings, and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauly on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. No Cardinals baseball today, no Cardinals baseball tomorrow, so we get a full two-hour edition of a Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauly, taking until 8 o'clock this evening. You want to join us? We've got multiple ways for you to connect You can do so via the phone or text. Same number, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Or you can uh, tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, We got a lot coming up on the program today. This hour, Luke Korak's going to join us in about 10 minutes. We'll talk about the uh, announcement yesterday from the Hockey Hall of Fame as uh, Ken Hitchcock and Pierre Turgeon are Hall of Fame bound. Uh, Later this hour, we'll talk with uh, our guy, Nate Gatter. We'll get his thoughts on what in the world is going on with City SC. They lose to uh, Real Salt Lake yesterday by a 3-1 score. So I'm I'm a little torn right now because... City got off to a, a fantastic start. Their record is still perfectly fine. Uh, they appear to be en route to the playoffs. They're doing things that expansion teams have never done before. Uh, but we we experienced a lot of winning for a while. And now the winning is starting to wane. And I don't, I don't know what to say about them. I, we're... Should we place higher expectations upon them? Is this just what was going to happen? I have questions. I need answers. I'm not smart enough to come up with the answers myself. So Nate Gatter is going to join us coming up at about uh, 635 next hour. It's the strike zone. We'll do all things baseball during the 7 o'clock hour. Scott Miller is going to join us, one of my favorite people to talk baseball with. And, uh, yeah, that's what's coming up uh, on the program today. Uh, We'll also get into... Rob Manford made some interesting comments to, uh, I think it was Time Magazine, where he essentially said if he had it to do all over again, he would have handled the Houston Astros investigation differently. Basically, he admits that it was a mistake to give full immunity to players to be able to to get answers. And I don't... I would have just kept my mouth shut if I was Rob Manford. I, c- coming back around on that one, some uh, generally I, I um, generally I respect people who admit their mistakes, admit they were wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll admit it. I think we, we've been doing this for about a year now. I think you should know about me. I'm not always right, and when I'm not right, 
I'll, I'll tell you I'm not right. I think I'm pretty good at, at knowing when I'm not right and coming around. I think that's generally a good quality. I like people who admit they're wrong. When I, we all sometimes are driving and we do something stupid, right? Like we've all done, we've all accidentally cut somebody off. Uh, we've all changed lanes and not seen a car there and almost hit them and they had to swerve to get out of the way. Like we've all done those things. No matter how good or bad of a driver we might be, we've all done those things. When I do those things, I make a very purposeful attempt to somehow communicate with the driver that I have wronged to say my fault, whether it's like the thank you wave, but the thank you wave means something a little bit different or whatever it might be. If they pass you on the left, like look at them and kind of put your hand up, like, you know, my, my bad sort of thing. I feel horrible when I make a mistake while driving. 90% of the people out there, maybe 95% of the people out there, when they, when they screw up on the road, when they cut somebody off, when they do whatever, they they don't acknowledge their mistake. They if you if you're passing back by them after that that happens, they don't look at you. They look straight forward. They will not acknowledge mistakes. I think we all make mistakes in in life. Let's acknowledge them. That's a, that's a good step forward on everything. So I say all that to say. I generally appreciate people who acknowledge mistakes. I'm not appreciating Rob Manfred on this one. This is the time where if you accidentally cut somebody off on the road, you, you, you slow down, you put your head down, and you do not make eye contact with the person that you wronged. I, I think Rob, Rob Manfred handled this one a little bit poorly. I've seen some social media speculation out there, kind of conspiracy-type theories, that maybe he said this to try to take some of the uh, pressure off the negative feedback that he's getting for how he's been handling this Oakland situation. I don't know. I The Oakland situation isn't a good look for him, but I also don't feel like it's a huge deal. Like It's, it's something that it, when, when stuff happens, it's going to move back into the headlines and it's going to come out. How, how much have we been talking about the Oakland situation since the reverse boycott and since his stupid comments that he made uh, a day after? We really haven't. So... If that's what he's doing, that that's a bad PR move because the Oakland situation just isn't a big enough deal to, uh, from a national standpoint, it just isn't a big enough deal for him to be trying to run damage control by admitting some other mistakes uh, that he had made over the course of uh, of his time. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into that coming up uh, later on in the program as well. Again, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. Tweet at me, at Matt Pauly on air. The festivities in London, they are getting underway. I mentioned this during the uh, sportscast that I did at uh, 545. Klaibs, uh sent out a really cool tweet showing a photo of himself with Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee, all three guys looking dapper. And you can just tell that there's a lot going on right now in London. Tomorrow, there's going to be more events going on. Uh, the Cardinals and the Cubs are going to go through a workout at London Stadium. So just a great opportunity to expand the game of baseball and to uh, show it off to others and to get more attention on it in our country. We talked a lot about this on yesterday's show. Matt Pajeski pushed back on me a little bit because as much of a big deal as these games are for the people in London, I also argue that it's a it's a big deal for the people in the United States. It's an opportunity for something to look a little bit different. It's, it's kind of like in hockey, you know, the outdoor games that they do in hockey. If if they go do an outdoor game for hockey in London, I still think it's just as big of a deal for people in the U.S. as if it was being played 
in New York are being played in London. Now, it's it's a bigger deal for people over there, and it's great to get over there, but these are big games for uh, people in the United States, and I'm glad that uh, the Cardinals are a part of the uh, spotlight as they tend to be. They have uh, yesterday during the uh, Cardinals pregame show, they had Brian Bartow, the PR director for the Cardinals on, and he was just talking about during his time with the Cardinals, all the different places he has gone, the different places the Cardinals have played games in, whether it was Mexico, Honolulu, uh, wherever wherever it might be. There were some other spots uh, in there as well. The Little League Classic uh, a few years back in Williamsport. The Cardinals, they are a national brand, and they get chosen for uh, these type of uh, showcase events very often, and I think it's good for the Cardinals that they do. All right, again, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. We'll talk hockey with uh, Luke Korak. He joins us in just a moment as we roll on. It's Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A great bar sports open line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. We're very happy to uh, be able to go to the uh, Quiver River Electric guest line right now. Welcome to a guy who covers the blues for NHL.com. Also the hockey news. He is Luke Korak. You follow him on Twitter at LKorak10. Lou, always appreciate you finding some time for us. How are you? Good, man. What's going on? Wanted to uh, talk to you about a, a few things. First off, the announcement yesterday, we learned about uh, the next induction class for the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame, and it's got a bit of a uh, blues tint to it as uh, Pierre Turgeon is going to go in, Ken Hitchcock going to go in as well. Let's start with uh, with Pierre Turgeon because, I mean, this is a guy who could do everything on the ice, skated well, could score, could assist. Uh, w- from a defensive standpoint, he did what you needed him to do. It just uh, it, You talk about complete players in the history of St. Louis Blues, and, and Turgeon is right there at the top. You know, man, he's one of those guys that's kind of, I guess, been unheralded in his career, if you can believe that. I mean, he played, what, almost 1,300 games and had over 1,300 points, so he was uh, just a shade over a point – per game player, which is, which is amazing. It would translate into something amazing in today's game with the way the game is played now. And of course, I mean, he played in, you know, he came into the league in the late eighties, played throughout the nineties and uh, early to mid two thousands spent what five seasons here. And uh, you know, he was, he was a joy to cover. He really was one of the, one of the first players that I remember covering, you know, as a, as a member of the blues media and uh 
always a gentleman, always a terrific person to talk to. Um, yeah, but I mean, he's, he's a guy that you could always count on. Number one, number two center Iceman, uh, you know, did a lot of good things here in St. Louis, you know, obviously part of some good teams, some really good teams that, you know, you can say that about a lot of guys that just weren't able to push this team over the top until that group in 2019 did. But you can say that about a lot of guys, but you know, um, I probably am in agreement with a lot of the national guys that say, you know, he's not one of those guys during his era that maybe you would have viewed as a top five center Iceman while he played. But I'll tell you what, when you look at, you know, the numbers that he did put up and it had a, what a career high, I believe it was 92, 93 with the New York Islanders, 132 points in what 80, 82 games, 83 games that year. Uh, for whatever reason, I do remember he had a season where he played 83 games and uh, it was, it, it was quite phenomenal and put up some really good numbers here in St. Louis as well. And, well-deserved and uh, great to see him get some recognition uh, by the Hall of Fame. You mentioned how different the game is played now and you know the numbers that he put up we really don't see anymore. How would he fit into today's NHL? Oh, that's a tough one uh, because, you know, uh, with the way the game is played right now, uh, you know, he's obviously known as a, an offensive player. But actually, I think he would transition pretty well because he was also a guy that was very mindful of uh, the defensive side of the game as well and finished with a career high well over 100. I believe he was around 140, 150 without looking at it right now. So, you know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, doesn't put a whole lot of uh, credence into that plus minus category. But when you can back it up like that for a career, that, that tells you that you're one of those guys that uh, tends to play a two-way game. And you need that now more than ever. So I don't know if he could translate into a uh, 90, a hundred, 110, 120 point guy, like he has been known to put up in his career, but definitely one of those guys that uh, I think could, if he's not close to a point per game player, uh, I think he would be knocking on the door. I, I wasn't planning to talk to you about this, but you bring up an interesting point and, and I, I'm, I talk about this a lot with baseball because baseball looks different than it used to. And I think all sports look different. All sports evolve. But you think about, uh, you go back to the 90s with hockey and you think about the peak uh, years when Gretzky and Lemieux and Hull were doing their things and just the attention that was on it. And obviously it was a bigger deal on ESPN at the time. And it just, it, it was this thing that we have right now of the hockey kind of being the fourth of the four major sports and there being a separation between the top three and then hockey that didn't exist as much in the nineties. Is there anything hockey can do from a rule standpoint or any standpoint that can return to the game a little bit more to that era that I'm talking about where you can have a guy come up with a, a 132 point season and, and, and do those sort of things. Well, I mean, Boy, we we could we could spend all day talking about that, but I mean, you're you're seeing you're seeing some guys now coming more around, and you know, two of them are playing up in Edmonton with uh, Connor McDavid, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, that uh, you know seem to put up a hundred point seasons right now. You know, like like it's going out of style. But uh, I don't think you're I don't think we're ever going to see this game. And well, I shouldn't say ever because once you say never, it's it's gonna it's gonna happen. But it's. I would I would say with conviction though that it, it's going to be awfully difficult to see those late 80s early 90s kind of games and I think that's where 
you know, this is kind of going in a different direction. But I think that's why you're not seeing as many goalies right now getting elected into the Hockey Hall of Fame because you had some great goalies back in that era. But if you if you equate their numbers then and put them in today's game, they would they wouldn't even get a sniff. I mean, you know, why isn't a guy why didn't a guy like Curtis Joseph get in yesterday? Well, you know, he was a great goalie in that era, but you know, the numbers that Grant Fuhrer, another guy, you know, what five Stanley cups and people talk about how he's terrible. It's, it's, it was just a different game. And I just don't with, with all the different rules changes that you are seeing and you have seen in the game, there were, there would have to be just a complete about face for you to start seeing the game go back to where you're going to have to win a game six to five, seven to six on a regular basis. Like you did back in that era. And I just don't see that happening. All right. So Ken Hitchcock gets in as well. He came in at a really interesting time with the Blues. Had a lot of success with the Blues. Obviously, people think about him and his Cup victory uh, with Dallas. But uh, this is another. You, know, you just talked about how Grant Fear. How some people talk about Grant Fear being terrible. And he, he wasn't, and he was really good. It, it. I don't know. To me, it feels like Hitchcock is another guy who maybe doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Maybe it was because he didn't win as many cups as some other coaches out there. But man, you look at what he did and the wins and, and the playoff appearances and the conference finals and everything Hitchcock had a heck of a career well I let me get it out right away I mean probably out of all the Blues coaches that I've uh, dealt with here in St. Louis probably from just a perspective of somebody that I dealt with and somebody that you can talk to and just learn from uh, he 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 is quote gold I will just say that I mean what a a phenomenal person and just a, a terrific personality I mean what Fourth, uh, fourth overall in, in career wins with what 849, and I believe what just a shade over 400 of those 410, 420, 415, somewhere in there came here in St. Louis. And I mean, spent six years here and had some really, really good teams. And the thing that's the thing that stands out to me, Matt, to be honest with you, he had some really great teams here. I thought it, it just to me. To this day, it's it's a little bit mind-boggling that he wasn't able to win a cup with some of the groups that he had here, and that just it just tells you how hard this thing is to win. It really is. I mean, Joel Quenville had some great teams here too, didn't win here as well. Uh, but Ken Hitchcock, I, come on, I mean, you know, the guy deserved to get in, uh, and he's going to be he's going to be regarded as one of the greatest coaches to ever coach in the game. I mean, we all know. Scotty Bowman, nobody, I don't see anybody ever replacing him as number one, but uh, to see Hitch right now in the top five and wins and, you know, eventually, you know, there's going to be guys that are going to get the longevity and may knock him down. They may not, but to see him do what he was able to do with some of the teams that he had, uh, a feather in his cap, and another one that was a well-deserved honor for him. All right, before we get you out of here, uh, Doug Armstrong has spoken with the media a little bit here recently, said uh, that teams have been calling on on all their picks. It seems pretty clear that they're they're not going to give up uh, the number 10 pick. It doesn't sound like at least at this moment they're getting the kind of offers that they want for the others. What uh, What's your expectation? Are, are we going to see the Blues make some moves here, or is this going to be something where they end up using all their picks? Um, there's always that outside chance that they could, but I, I just don't see it. I, I really think that uh, odds on favorite that 25 and 29, uh, they won't be making Doug Armstrong. Let's put it this way. He's not going to be going to the podium three times on Wednesday. If if he does, I, I will be quite surprised. Uh, and, you know, like he said, uh, 
there's been some talk, there's been some chatter, but uh, he expects it. And, you know, he's been around long enough to know. He expects to start picking up on Monday when everybody starts to congregate down in Nashville. And uh, that that's when you're really going to see, you know, these GMs uh, bring their tools to the bargaining table. And, and I would I would suspect that that's when things are really going to get busy for the Blues. And, you know, coming out of there on Thursday, I expect them even to this day to be one of the, you know, one of the more active teams down there. And if, if they don't come back from the draft with uh, some sort of capital, whether it be uh, ready-made players uh, that they're looking for in that mid-20s range with some term, if they don't come back with those guys now, I, I would certainly expect uh, – them to be busy this summer and there's also he you know he left the door open that you know uh about a month or so ago and uh, at the end of the season when we talked to him uh, he didn't think that uh they would be active in the free agent market but you know you, you can never close that door and he's always been one that uh he's a never say never guy so if they have to pivot in that direction they will but i think if they're going to change um, i'll stick with it if they continue to change the landscape of this team I think it's going to be through trade, and, and I think 25 and 29 are certainly going to be on the table, and I'd be surprised if they're picking in those spots. Can they use those picks to help clean up the cap situation a bit? I would think so, um, and that's, you know, that, that's what teams are going to be looking for. Uh, you know, they, there's a lot of teams out there that do have cap capital, and they know that there's teams out there that need cap relief. And that that's also a route that they could go down, especially if they want to say move one of their defensemen, which I think that is going to have to be on the table for them to have a clearer view of how much cap space they have. Because quite, quite frankly, you know, those defenders and defensemen are taking up probably more cap space than they want. So that's certainly an avenue that they're going to look at. And one that I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they entertain any offers doing. He is Luke Korak, covers the Blues for NHL.com and the Hockey News. You follow him on Twitter at LKorak10. Lou, thanks as always for your time. We'll do it again real soon. You got it, Matt. Take care. All right, there's Luke Korak joining us here on a Graybar Sports Open Line via the Quiver River Electric guest line. We're going to go right back to that guest line. Nate Gadder is going to join us in a moment. How worried should we be about City SC with uh, what they have done recently? Nate knows the answer. We'll ask him the question. That's next. This is a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. The Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back at it on a Graybar Sports Open Line, a Thursday night edition. We'll do this again tomorrow because the Cardinals are in London and they're not playing today or tomorrow. And then they're going to play early on in the day coming up uh, this weekend. Right now, we go back to the Quiver River Electric guest line. We're happy to uh, welcome on to the program. You hear him hosting the St. Louis City Soccer Report. You hear him doing other things here on KMOX. He is Nate Gatter. Follow him on Twitter at Nate Gatter. Hey, Nate, how are you? Oh, you're not on the air yet. Hey, Nate, how are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Good. Take take two worked. Uh, got any big plans for the uh, 9 a.m. baseball game on Sunday? <laughs> no, but I guess maybe I need to make some. I mean, it's not too often that you get to watch baseball at 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, I'll, I'll definitely have it on KMOX regardless of what I'm doing. I can tell you that. Okay, fair enough. Um, I wanted to get you on. I always love talking soccer with you, and I don't know. I need your advice on how I should be feeling about something because – 
City SC is an expansion team with very low expectations going into the year. And then they got off to just this fantastic start. They still have a very, very good record, but the last month or so has not been good. Now, clearly they've got injuries. There's a lot going on. They are still an expansion team. I understand all these things. So one part of me feels like I should, I don't know about be upset, but maybe expect more out of them. And then the other side of me is saying, hey, they, they, what they're already doing is pretty impressive. The expectations may be a little too high. So where should I stand? on this whole thing with this team struggling at the moment? I'm really glad you asked that because I think the answer is that you stand in the middle makes it sound like you're compromising the two things. You stand in both places at once, right? We have the ability, we have, we have high-functioning brains, the human race. We have the ability to hold two thoughts in our minds at the same time. One of them can be that if you had said 18 games into the season, City would be in this position coming into the season, very few people would have believed you and it's a rousing success. There's no doubt about that. The other part of it can be, and you heard it mentioned on the uh, MLS Season Pass broadcast, if you watched the game last night, that since they won their first five games in a row, City have won only four out of their last 13 games, which is not disastrous. There have been plenty of draws in there. It's not as though they've lost nine of the last 13, because obviously soccer, as compared to other sports we're used to, is not a zero-sum game in that regard. There are three outcomes rather than two. At the same time, that is not a first-place, second-place, third-place caliber team. That's a team playing more toward the middle of the table, which was, in my mind, the best-case scenario coming into the season. So they're still exceeding expectations in that regard. My point is I think it's wrong to, in our frustration about what's going on, lose the success they've had, lose the overachieving they're already doing. But it's also wrong, I think, to focus so much on how much, how they've exceeded expectations to this point and in some ways shame the fans or media members who are voicing concerns because there are substantial concerns. Now, obviously, some of that has to do with injury issues. Some of it has to do with players who have missed for other reasons. For instance, I think that game against Nashville last weekend might have gone a little bit differently had Jablon Blom been, health, been available. He was away uh, on national team duty with the South African national team. But obviously, the, the injuries are at the top of the list. That's Klaus, who's going to be out probably another month. That's Edward Leuven, who's going to be out at least another month in the midfield. And then it's also Joachim Nielsen, who we don't really talk about because fans haven't gotten the chance to see him play yet. Uh, the, the, maybe the biggest ticket guy on City's roster coming into the season or when they were assembling it last season, the Swedish international center back, uh, who probably had the, the highest value internationally of any player City brought in, Roman Berkey obviously is the biggest name because of what he's done in the past in his career, but Nielsen is still very much in the prime of his career. We haven't gotten to see him yet because of an injury. So what I'm saying is there are a lot of things going on at once. I think it would be wrong not to give City credit for what they've accomplished, but it would also be wrong not to be a little bit concerned about how they've played in the last couple of months and what this next month might look like for them before the League's Cup break. You could easily compare what they did in their first matchup against Real Salt Lake back in late March, a game they won on the road 4 nothing, and then look at what they did yesterday, losing 3-1. If you do compare those two performances, is the difference more about the way they played, or is the difference more about the players that they didn't have available this time around? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you're also starting to see an accumulation. I know fans get tired sometimes of of these narratives that get brought up a lot. We are now getting officially into the summer months, 
And that means both of the temperatures are getting higher, the humidity is getting higher, all of those sorts of things that are going to make it harder for players to function and at the highest level and recover quickly. And on top of that, the schedule is getting much more intense. City, up until the last month, have not played multiple games in a week with the exception of the U.S. Open Cup, which is a competition that you're not taking quite as seriously. And one of those games was against a third-tier team in Union Omaha, the only Open Cup game they won. So when you start adding these, these weeks where you're playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, that poses a real problem for every team in the league, but especially a team like City that does not have a lot of depth at this point in its existence, and on top of that is dealing with injuries to top players. This is not a City-specific criticism. Just about every team in MLS, if it were dealing with injuries to its only two DPs, and it would be struggling under, under this kind of stretch. When you add in that City don't have a whole lot of depth, even compared to a lot of other teams in, in the league, even with how top-heavy the standard MLS roster is, and then you add on top of that the, the intensity of the style they want to play, I think it does bring up a lot of questions of how they're going to be able to survive physically. And to me, that was the biggest difference from the last game against Real Salt Lake. They looked a step slow almost across the board to me last night. Blom was not his usual self. He still was not bad. He still was active, still had a lot of tackles and interceptions. I just didn't think he looked quite as energetic. Tim Parker looked a step slow. Certainly the fullbacks look slow. That's been true for a few weeks now. Uh, there were some rash challenges that were, that were thrown in. Players were late. Uh, I, I just didn't think, with the exception of Joe Acchini, anybody looked especially energetic in the starting 11. Um, and that's understandable considering the minutes that are on some of those legs out there. Um, when you have that and the, the diminished quality that comes from not having Klaus on the field, not having Leuven on the field, those things together are, are difficult to overcome. Uh, I thought Real Salt Lake looked the substantially more energetic team uh, last night, and that's something that City are going to have to work out. Um, that's getting healthier, and it's also probably getting some better performances from from guys deeper in their bench. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be incumbent upon the Selmir Pedros of the world, the uh, the Isak Jensen's of the world, the Adil Jackson's of the world, maybe even the Johnny Kleins to to put in a a good shift here and there. Uh, because I don't know how City get through this next month without some of those guys stepping up. The last time they did the two-match-in-a-week thing, it was a little bit different because they had the resumption against FC Dallas, and then uh, so they only played about a half, and uh, then they... Even, even that didn't go well. No, it did not and go well. Go back to the U.S. Open Cup, they, on their midweek U.S. Open Cup game against Chicago, they lost. Yeah. So they've only won a single midweek game this season, and it was against a third-tier team. That, to me, is, is starting to become a trend now when it's three losses in a row on those Wednesday night games. Do we apply the same standard, then, to San Jose? Because the last time they did that, it, they came back with that Sunday game against L.A. They had an extra day there. They don't have the extra day here. They're going Wednesday, Saturday now. Yeah, it's tough, especially going west. I mean, we know, we know that's, a, that's a challenge um, in any sport for teams going west. Generally, it, it's hard for them. Um, evening game will make that a little bit easier as opposed to a, a midday start. Um, I am concerned. I, I think they're substantial underdogs in, in this game. To be honest, I expected them to have a response on Wednesday because that's kind of been their trend is when they have a, a difficult run of games, they step up in a home game. The crowd really gets behind them. You can feel the intensity and the urgency. 
I just didn't feel that on Wednesday. Uh, you know, you wonder if some of that is, again, the, the leadership value of particularly not having Leuven on the pitch, maybe Klaus as well, not only what they bring uh, their quality in terms of a sort of tangible sense, but also what do they bring from a leadership standpoint um, and how do they help push the team forward. It, it, all the way around, big concerns. And uh, I think you're looking for a major response from, from them on Saturday. My fear is that there just isn't a lot in the tank, that they, that they don't have a lot to give right now. And I'm struggling to see with where the roster is in terms of, you know, the relatively limited depth, like we've talked about all year and the injuries to the stars. I'm struggling to see where the burst of energy comes from. He is Nate Gatter. You hear him hosting the uh, St. Louis City Soccer Report uh, over the weekend uh, here at uh, KMOX. And he pops up in other places as well. Maybe he's co-hosting with Chris Ranji, maybe doing Cardinals uh, pre and post. You just never know. And he pops up here all the time as well. Nate, always appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds good, Matt. All right, there's Nate Gatter joining us here on the program. Again, uh, City SC matched up against San Jose on the road on Saturday. That's going to be a 9.30 start, and you're going to be able to hear it over on our sister station, Y98. Coming up at the 7 o'clock hour, it is the strike zone. We'll do all things baseball. We've got a little bit more to do here in the 6 o'clock hour before all is said and done. We're back with more Sports Open Line in just a moment right here on KMOX. So I try to have an open mind about things. Just because something's not for me doesn't mean that there's not some value in it. Doesn't mean that I'm a begrudge you for being into something that I'm not into. But when it comes to now New York Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he's into some weird stuff that I just don't get. And he was at some sort of, I don't know what, a conference of some type. In Denver, of course it was in Denver. Of course it was in the Colorado. Uh, it was the it was the psychedelics science conference in Denver. That is a real thing. And Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, not not Doctor Aaron Rodgers, uh, quarterback Aaron Rodgers was one of the primary keynote speakers at the psychedelics science conference in Denver. And he, he uses this psychedelic. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's like Ayahuasca or something. Uh, oh, does Matt Pajeski know how to say this? Are we about to learn something about Matt Pajeski? I'm a frequent user. No, it's uh, I think, I believe it's Ayahuasca. Okay. Why do you it. know that? Uh, I think maybe Joe Rogan tried it or something and I heard him talk about it. Somebody's talked about it on a podcast. Okay. So it's a psychedelic. I, I have never gone anywhere near anything like that. Anything that like, messes with your brain chemistry, I am staying away from. I don't think we know enough about the brain to be trying to change it. So stuff like that scares the living you-know-what out of me. I would, with my luck, I would try it. It would do something to my brain, and I would never come back. There would be never a recovery. It would change me forever. People who know about this stuff are probably shaking their head at me right now about how I have no clue what I'm talking about. And you're right, but I don't go anywhere near this stuff. And I find it to be very interesting that an NFL quarterback is the guy who is a keynote speaker at the psychedelics science conference. I, you, you have other scientific areas and conferences that go along with them. 
generally doctors are speaking, not quarterbacks. And this is one of the quotes from Aaron Rodgers during his presentation at this conference. He says, pay attention, young Matt Pajeski. This is maybe this will change your life. These very poignant words from Aaron Rodgers. He says, you know, words are so interesting. They have such power in their spells. There's a reason it's called spelling because the way letters are put together have such power. Do you disagree? <laughs> I agree 100%. They they have spells. You can put a spell on somebody by spelling. What? A, <laughs> this is ridiculous. It is absolutely. And I I think the world of Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. I think the world of Aaron Rodgers as a teammate. I don't know what he's. Again, this is one of those things where I try to say, you do you. I'll do me. We can all be happy. We can all live our own lives. We don't need to be judging what other people are doing. But when an NFL quarterback is a keynote speaker at a psychedelic science conference, that's where I start to pump the brake a little bit and say, you know what? Maybe we've gone just a step or two too far on this one. All right, uh, one hour down, one more hour to go. When we return, we'll get into the strike zone. We'll talk all things baseball. We'll get into the Cardinals, uh, talk a little bit about uh, potential uh, trade targets, what that might look like. We'll get into Rob Manfred's uh, recent comments about the Astros cheating scandal. Uh, we'll hear from Scott Miller. we got a lot to get to during the 7 o'clock hour. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. This is KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.